You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. In the heart of the vast and desolate outback, where endless roads stretch into the horizon, a family embarks on a seemingly ordinary road trip. Little do they know, their journey will take a harrowing turn when their car grinds to a halt, leaving them stranded in the remote wilderness. As the day fades and shadows lengthen, an encounter with a looming and enigmatic presence will shatter their perceptions of reality. What awaits them in the darkness is a tale of primal fear and the unknown, where the boundaries between the mundane and the extraordinary blur, and the secrets of the outback reveal themselves in the most chilling way. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Yowie, a massive hairy creature that hulks its way through Australian folklore. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror, you can listen to a new episode every week as I take you to horrifying destinations both real and mythical. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. You can now find Freaky Folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N 
C-A-R-R-I-O-N, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Warning. This episode is lacking an Australian accent, but I will do my best to get the slang right. The rumble of a revving motor and the strong scent of used motor oil permeated the atmosphere of the garage. For Jack, lying beneath the 93 Toyota Tacoma, working on replacing the rear main sill, this familiar aroma was oddly comforting. Spending most of his 40 years in a garage, he had initially shadowed his father around before eventually taking up the wrenches himself. He smashed his thumb between a pipe and a wrench when he heard one of the other mechanics yell at him. Jack, your missus is on the blower. Jack cursed and wriggled his way out from under the ute, the wheels of the creeper screeching in protest from his sudden shift. The old rotary phone sat on the desk in the front office, off the hook, waiting for him to pick up. Susan, his wife, was on the other end of the line, hardly waiting for his hello. Jack, I love these ankle biters of ours. But if I have to cop one more day in this joint with them tearing around like a bunch of bloody dingoes, I'm going to lose it. We need to get out, get some fresh air and elbow room. You promised we'd hit the road before the Sprogs are back in school. Jack let out a bit of a sigh, reckoning he couldn't really knock back his missus' ask. He had made her a promise about that road trip, and he was well aware of how she was itching to break free from the house. Fair dinkum, he replied. I'll wrap things up here and we'll hit the road tomorrow. Fancy a jaunt through the outback? Susan's voice perked up on the other end of the line. Oh, Jack, that sounds just like what we need. I'll start packing the car right away. Don't forget to finish up quickly, or I'll have to come down there and drag you out myself. Jack chuckled. Don't worry, love. I'll finish up here pronto and be back home before you know it. We'll have ourselves a bonza time out there in the bush. As he hung up the phone, Jack felt a sense of excitement building within him. It had been years since they had taken a trip like this, just him and his family, exploring the vast expanse of land that was Australia. He couldn't wait to hit the open road, with nothing but the sound of the engine and the endless horizon in front of him. Jack quickly finished up the repairs on the Toyota and closed up the garage for the day. The sun was already starting to set casting a warm orange glow across the dusty streets of the small town. He made his way home, already thinking about what supplies they would need for their trip. The following morning, Jack finished packing up the car with all they needed for a week-long road trip through the outback. Susan had filled the esky with drinks and food. The kids had their coloring books and toys, and Jack had his trusty map and compass. They hit the road early, the sun just starting to rise over the horizon as they left town. The initial few hours of the drive was tranquil, the engines hum and the tires rolling on the road putting the kids to sleep. Jack and Susan talked in hushed tones, relishing the rare opportunity to be alone together. However, as they ventured deeper into the outback, the landscape underwent a dramatic change. The road turned rough and stony, and the air thickened with dust. The car bumped and jerked along the uneven track and Jack had to hold the steering wheel firmly to keep them on course. As they pressed on, the heat became stifling. The car's air conditioning struggled to cope, and sweat started to trickle down Jack's forehead. He turned to Susan. 
We might need to find a spot to pull over soon and take a breather. It's getting pretty darn hot in here. Susan agreed, wiping her forehead with the back of her hand. Yep, agreed. Let's look for a good place to stop and stretch our legs. They were near the outskirts of Pilliga National Park, according to the road signs. When they came round a bend in the track, they copped a glimpse of a little oasis up ahead. A cluster of trees was given some decent shade, and there was a trickle of water making its way through. Jack pulled the car over, and they piled out, stoked to get out and stretch their legs and cool off a bit. The ankle biters darted off to the creek, kicking up a splash in the shallow water, while Jack and Susan got the tucker sorted under the tree cover. They kicked back together, enjoying the simple pleasure of Sanger's and icy cold bevies. It wasn't too long before the kids came hooning back, going on about some big hairy bloke lurking by the trees, giving them the gawk. Jack headed over to have a squiz, but there wasn't a trace of anyone else around. He gave a bit of a head shake at the nipper's wild imaginations and wandered back to Susan's side. Before they wrapped things up to hit the road again, Jack popped the bonnet and reckoned the aircon was a bit low on gas. Gonna have to swing by the next town and top off the Freon if we don't want to roast the whole trip, he said to Susan, who was standing next to him, watching him tinker. She gave a nod of agreement. Right-o, then. I'll round up the kids. Susan had the kids rounded up and loaded by the time Jack had the cooler and food packed back into the car. Back in the driver's saddle, Jack shoved the key in the ignition, and the car motor groaned, spluttered, then gave up the ghost. He had a few more cracks at it, but the blasted thing just wouldn't fire up. Give me a tick. Gonna pop the bonnet and give it another squiz. Seems the aircon ain't the only thing throwing a wobbly under the hood. Jack had a poke round under the bonnet for a while till he sussed out what the issue was. Good thing he had the smarts to bring his toolkit. He could sort out the dodgy engine, but it'd chew up a few hours, and the sun was on its way out. Might have to set up tents and bunk down here for the Arvo. While Jack got busy, Susan and the kids got the campsite ready beneath the nearby gum trees. They set up the tents and rolled out the swags, making sure everything was secure and cozy for the night. The kids were buzzing with excitement about sleeping under the Southern Cross, and Susan was quietly looking forward to cuddling up with Jack in their own swag. As the sun set, they gathered around the modest campfire they'd set up, toasting marshmallows and sharing tales. The night air was chilly and invigorating, a much-needed respite from the daytime heat, and the stars shimmered overhead against the clear sky. It was a bonza evening until Jack began to get a bloody weird vibe. The hairs on the back of his neck prickled, and he had this sense like they were being watched. He gave the place a good squiz, but there wasn't a soul in sight, except for a nosy rabbit giving him a look-see. He had a bit of a chuckle to himself, reckoning this little critter was the source of his jitters. But then he heard rustling in the shrubbery. Sounded like something big. Jack rose slowly, his gaze sweeping the darkness for any flicker of movement. He reached for his torch, flicking it on and holding it steady before him as he cautiously advanced toward the scrub. As he neared, the sound of heavy breaths and the crackle of leaves underfoot reached his ears. He directed the beam of light towards the source of the noise. 
his heart quickening when he spotted a pair of gleaming eyes fixed upon him. The creature before him was massive, standing easily at eight feet tall and draped in a coat of fur. Jack's thoughts raced as he tried to identify the creature. Was it a bear? A wolf? He had never encountered anything quite like this. The beast maintained its unyielding stare, as if assessing Jack's next move. In an instant, the creature lunged, hurtling toward Jack with its formidable bulk. Jack barely managed to react, sidestepping the charge and swinging his torch in a desperate bid to fend off the attack. As he stumbled back, the anguished cries of Susan and the kids sliced through the air, a stark reminder of his duty to safeguard his family. Jack forced his breathing to steady, inhaling deeply as he gathered his wits, his mind racing with potential strategies. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Out there in the heart of the Australian wilderness, where the land itself seems to be against anyone brave enough to explore it, there's this crazy mix of horror and mystery going on. You've got venomous snakes, nasty scorpions, those ghostly jellyfish, and those creepy spiders, the whole nine yards. The Australian outback is infamous for being home to a bunch of scary and dangerous creatures that could give even the toughest adventurers nightmares. But beyond all the stuff we know about, there's this whole other layer of freaky legends that mix reality and make-believe. And right there in the middle of that mess is this creature that's caught the attention of anyone daring enough to step foot in this wild place. They call it the Yowie. As we flip through history, we get sucked into this world where stories from Europeans back in the 1800s get tangled up with tales that have been passed down for generations by the indigenous Aboriginal folks of Australia. In all these stories, this massive monster shows up. This huge beast that's part ape, part human. And the Aboriginal people call it the hairy man of the wood. These stories go way back, like spooky whispers from a long time ago, talking about this ancient horror that's supposedly lurking out there in the outback. Digging into the history books, we find the writings of John Pinkerton from 1804. He's talking about how the Aboriginal people used to share their lands with another tribe around Sydney Harbor and he's painting this picture of them. 
These creatures had big eyebrows, sunken eyes, a weirdly flat nose, and wide nostrils. Their mouths were different too, with thick lips and serious jaws. The Aboriginal folks just called them hairy people, and they thought of them as a whole other kind of race, something really mysterious and spooky. Now there's this Cuckoo Yalanji tribe up in tropical North Queensland who are dead set on the Yowie being a real thing. They've got this history loaded with stories about living with these creatures and having all sorts of conflicts with them. The Yowie is like their version of the Sasquatch from indigenous American stories, this primal terror that's always hanging around. These stories are seriously bone chilling and they've been echoing through time going way back. Let's dive into the history a bit more to see how the Yowie has two flavors, the Gigantopithecus and the smaller Yowie. Gigantopithecus is this huge species, like six to 10 feet tall and weighing up to a ridiculous 1,000 pounds. Picture this massive hairy thing with fingers like claws and you're getting close to the idea. When you line up the Yowie with the North American Sasquatch, people tend to think that the Yowie has a more monkey-like face and head and it's known to stand up on two legs, walking around like a person. But wait, there's more. The smaller Yowie is like four to five feet tall, and that's a whole different kind of spooky. Some folks aren't so sure about this one, but there's a group who think it might be some ancient human-like species that somehow didn't go extinct. They've even found drawings of these little guys next to smaller aboriginal figures in cave art, like a creepy record of their existence. So, going back in time a bit, European settlers first showed up in 1788, and the Aboriginal people were quick to warn them about these ape-like terrors lurking around the wilderness. In 1789, there's this intense story about convicts and Marines on a hunting trip, coming across the entity that's staring them down from a hill. It's twice as tall as a regular person, and just being near it gives them the creeps. Then fast forward to 1849, and we're on Phillip Island in Victoria, Australia. This is where the first sighting of a Yowie down south goes into the history books. A whole bunch of people saw it, and they all agree. It's this crazy mix of a baboon and a human. It's like nature itself is going haywire. And then, in 1936, there's this seriously spooky photo taken by a guy named Rich Jones in New South Wales. He's out in the boonies working at a logger's camp. And this picture shows this messed up figure sitting on a log. Its hands look like these dark claws and its head hanging low like something out of a horror movie. More pages flip and we get to 1979 when this local couple, Leo and Patricia George, find this ripped up kangaroo after exploring. And standing there next to it is this freaky creature, 10 feet tall, all hairy, and just this horrifying sight that sticks with them forever. Even when we hit the 2000s, the Yowie's still making appearances. You've got Andrew McGinn, this guy who's all into investigating the top-end Yowie, which sounds like a bad idea to me. He's connecting this dog's mutilation near Darwin to the Yowie's violent grasp. Then in 2000, there's Steve Piper, another super dedicated Yowie hunter, who manages to snap a picture that blurs the line between what's real and what's just legend. It's like the Aussie version of that Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot footage we've got over here, in the States. There are even more modern stories, too. There's this person in Canberra who claims they saw this hairy kid. The Blue Mountains near Springwood by Sydney had a sighting in 2011, with pictures of some weird footprints. 
Then in 2012, this American TV crew records this freaky sound out in the middle of nowhere between New South Wales and Queensland. Supposedly the cry of a yowie. And the whole thing just keeps on going, with more and more people saying they've seen this creature, leaving behind creepy footprints and sharing tales of pure horror. There are those who are totally sold on the yowie being real, and then there are skeptics who think it's all just made up stuff. Is this Yowie actually out there, hiding in the wilds? Or are all these sightings just products of people's imagination and fear? We're staring right into the unknown here. And the big question is whether a creature like the Yowie could really be hanging out in the vast wilderness of Australia. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Jack knew right away what he was up against. Any Aussie who's grown up here would have heard of the Yowie, but he never thought he'd cop a sight of one, let alone end up in a scrap with it. He managed to sidestep its grip just in the nick of time, but it wasn't over. As he spun to bolt towards his family, the beast let out a roar that could wake the dead, and he could hear its heavy footfalls as it charged after him. Get in the bloody car! He yelled to Sue and the kids. Without missing a beat, they spun around and hightailed it for the car. Jack was right on their heels, and that bloodthirsty monster was hot on his tail. The kids piled into the car first, then Sue, and Jack barely scrambled in before the Yowie smashed into the car's side with all its weight. Jack's heart was thudding like a jackhammer as he frantically rummaged through his pockets for the car keys. All the while, the creature outside was trying to rip the car door off. Jack's heart sank when he realized he had left the car keys in the tent. The kids were screeching and bawling, and Susan was trying to soothe them. Jack was wrestling with what to do next. Bloody hell! He cursed at himself, causing the kids to scream even louder. In a fit of frustration and anger, he pounded the steering wheel with both hands. He felt like a right fool for not being more prepared to keep his family safe from this menace. Finally, just as suddenly as the attack began, it came to an abrupt halt. The Yowie backed off from the car, stared into the window at its would-be prey, let out a snort, and shuffled away. The kids' screams subsided, replaced by hiccuping sobs from the back seat. Sue's comforting words tried to calm them. It's okay. Hush now. The beastie's moving on. Everything's going to be all right. Oh, how Jack hoped she was spot on. He was no match for that mammoth creature and his only weapon was the hammer in his toolbox. 
Jack watched as the Yowie lumbered toward the bush and melted into the tree line. Hesitant to leave the car too soon, worried that the creature was lying in wait for just that, Jack and his family stayed put. What's the plan? Sue asked, her concern for the kids evident in her voice. Despite the cooler night, the car was getting stuffy and warm. I'm going to wait until I'm sure that thing's not coming back for another crack at us. Then I'll go fetch the keys. For now, we'll have to leave everything and come back for it tomorrow. He laid out his plan. He waited a good hour before stepping out of the car. He went around the back hatch, popped it open, and retrieved his hammer as silently as possible. Each move and step were deliberate, cautious not to make any noise. Easy does it, Jack, Susan whispered from the back seat, where the kids had curled up and drifted into slumber beside her. Jack didn't say a word. He began retracing his steps back to where they'd set up the tents. He was halfway there when he froze, convinced he'd heard a twig snap. But when nothing followed, he carried on. He reached the entrance of their tent. They hadn't been inside since setting it up, so it was still zipped shut. Slowly, he hung the hammer from his belt loop and began unzipping the tent. The sound of the zipper seemed deafening in the silence of the night. He had unzipped it entirely and was inching his way inside when he was met with the crashing of heavy footsteps and snapping branches. Jack's heart raced as he hastily snatched up the keys and backed out of the tent, feeling like his heart would beat out of his chest. Then he pivoted and sprinted for his life. With the creature's breath almost on the nape of his neck, he could make out Sue's face through the car window, her screams urging him on. He was nearly there, just a bit further. But then, something thudded against his back and threw him off balance. The Yowie had taken a swipe at him, turning his narrow escape into a forceful shove that sent Jack stumbling forward. He hit the ground with a heavy thud, and as he did, the Yowie, not breaking its stride, stumbled over him, sending them both rolling in a chaotic mess of fur and flesh. The man and the beast came to a stop, sprawled out on the ground side by side. Both were momentarily frozen, but that stillness was short-lived. Jack was the first to move, clambering to his knees and straining to reach the keys that had been knocked from his grasp during the scuffle. Jack's fingers brushed against the tip of the keyring, just as the creature sprang back to its feet. It lunged down and grabbed Jack by the ankles. Then, a spark of memory ignited in Jack's mind, the hammer hanging from his belt loop. Desperation flooding him, he reached down as he was being dragged toward the forest, praying the hammer was still there. He felt a glimmer of hope as his fingers closed around the familiar handle. In a matter of seconds, the hammer was firmly in his grip. He wrestled to get within striking range of the creature's hand. It took several attempts, but he finally managed to connect, bringing the claw of the hammer down onto the Yowie's hand and driving it deep into its tough flesh. The beast let out a roar that sent a shiver down Jack's spine. The grip on him loosened, and Jack scrambled his feet as fast as his limbs would carry him. With the hammer still clutched tightly in his hand, he bolted again. He wouldn't have a chance to retrieve the keys. The creature was hot on his heels, even angrier this time. As he reached the car, he spun around, guilt gnawing at him for not putting up a stronger fight to protect his family. He came face to face with the Yowie. 
Driven by pure instinct and self-preservation, Jack swung the hammer one final time, landing a blow squarely on the Yowie's head. The beast's roaring abruptly ceased, and it crumpled to the ground in a dazed stupor. Jack didn't stick around to gauge the extent of the creature's injuries. He scrambled back into the car and slammed the door shut, locking it quickly. Oh God, Jack, I thought you were a goner. Susan cried, clutching him tightly from behind. Jack wanted to break down in tears right then and there, but shock and adrenaline still coursed through his veins. Relief flooded him, relief that he was alive, whole, and breathing. Still gasping for breath, Jack watched in the rearview mirror as Susan retreated from her spot. Jack? Jack, look out! She suddenly screamed. The Yowie had regained its senses and loomed over their tiny car, its gaze fixed on Jack, an unimaginable rage emanating from its eyes. Jack's heart raced as he watched the massive creature raise its fists high above its head and start pounding them down onto the car's roof. The kids screamed in terror as the onslaught continued, and cracks spread across the windshield, followed by the driver's side window. Jack prayed with all his might that the windows would hold. If they shattered, the Yowie could easily reach in and drag them out. Jack's mind raced, searching for an escape plan. He knew there was no way they could outrun the creature on foot and the car was rapidly turning into a wreck. He glanced at Susan, who had pulled the children close, shielding them from the chaos. He had to do something, anything to keep them safe. Then, like a lightning bolt, an idea struck him. He fumbled through the glove compartment and found what he was after, a small can of lighter fluid and a book of matches. Without a second thought, he doused the driver's side of the car with fluid and struck a match. Fire erupted from the car, quickly engulfing it in a blazing inferno. The Yowie let out a furious roar, its massive form outlined against the blaze. Jack and his family scrambled out of the other side of the car, coughing and struggling for breath. They watched in terror as the creature staggered backward, its fur scorched and emitting smoke. The flames surged higher, engulfing the car and the surrounding vegetation, creating an impassable wall of fire that kept the Yowie at bay. Standing there witnessing the spectacle, a wave of relief washed over Jack. They were alive, and that was what truly mattered. He turned to Susan and the kids, huddled together with tear-streaked faces. We've got to get out of here, he rasped, his voice rough from the ordeal. We need to find help. In agreement, she nodded, and together they started walking toward the road a few miles away. As they walked, they could hear the screams of the Yowie as it burned. And shortly, the screams were overwhelmed by an explosion. Jack couldn't shake off the surreal events that had just transpired. He had confronted a creature he believed to be only a myth, and yet he had emerged from the encounter alive. But he was aware they may not be in the clear yet. He didn't know if the Yowie was alive or dead and may still be lurking somewhere out there, an unpredictable menace. Jack couldn't be certain whether it would come after them again. All he knew was that they had to keep moving, striving for safety. Despite the fear and adrenaline coursing through him, 
He needed to keep a clear head for the sake of his family. With each step, the sun began to rise, casting a gentle pink and orange hue over the trees. The air held a crisp chill, and a sense of calm settled over Jack. They had endured the long night, and now their focus was on finding help. After what felt like an eternity of walking, they finally reached the road. Jack spotted a car in the distance and began to wave his arms frantically, hoping the driver would spot them. As the vehicle approached, Jack discerned it was a truck towing a camper behind it. The driver pulled over, rolled down the window and asked, Need a lift? Gratefully, Jack nodded, and they clambered into the back of the truck. They were finally safe, and he knew they had navigated through a nightmare that would forever be etched in their memories. Glancing back at the forest, Jack saw the Yowie standing in the distance, observing their departure. This was bound to be a road trip they would never forget. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. Tune in next week as we discuss SCP-049, also known as The Plague Doctor. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.